Amen. All right, young people, you are dismissed. Let's dismiss quietly to our junior church time. We're so thankful that you're here. We're a good crowd of kids. Amen. All right, for the rest of us remaining, let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We'll look there together. Acts chapter 2. We'll be near the end of the chapter, verses 37 to the end. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Amy, maybe you could help this little one here. All right. Acts chapter 2. All right. Have a good time, guys. Look at verse 37 with me. We're looking at a series right now uh, based on our theme for the year, Be the Church. And today we're going to talk about the people of the church, the people of the local church. And so I want to work our way through some of these things today, a little bit, a little bit more teaching, but we're asking the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and implant it into our hearts and help us to understand the people of the local church. What is God's plan for the local church? You know, I was just thinking about that song we sang a few minutes ago, Oh, I Want to See Him. And several years ago, uh, there was a seniors luncheon here at the church. And uh, it was before I was ever the pastor. And uh, we brought some folks down from Hamilton to be a part of that. And uh, Wendy Bug's father, uh, Mr. Whitelaw, was, was speaking that day. And uh, Brother Unger had come with some folks from uh, Bethel Baptist in London. And some other churches were here, and uh, they asked me if I'd sing a song, and so I sang, Oh, I Want to See Him. Uh, my sister-in-law had made me a, a piano soundtrack. Rebecca had done that for me, and uh, it was just a hymn that was a favorite when I was a kid, but you don't see it in a lot of hymn books anymore. It's hard to find. I'm thankful ours has it. And uh, Brother Unger sat there and was weeping, and he came to me after, and he says, Man, he says, I remember singing that song at Bethel in the 70s, and he says, I just became my favorite, and I cannot find it in a hymn book anymore. He says, it's not in ours, and I've looked in others. And where did you find it? And so uh, just it's amazing how a, a song or a message can touch our hearts and work in our lives. And, and I'll be honest, the song we just sang face-to-face has not always been one of my favorites, I suppose. And I don't know why, just maybe the tune or whatever. But at the right moment... When the Spirit is speaking to my heart, boy, just the message of that song, and it's becoming one of my favorites very quickly, and uh, it's, it's interesting how that changes your, over time, and God uses songs to bless your heart. Uh, I remember years ago, uh, uh, Marvin Masker would hand me an order of service. I was 21, 22 years old. He hand me an order of service, and, and all these hymns that he would pick sometimes, i say, were you born in the 1800s? And then it was almost like God flipped a switch the day I became pastor and realized how much doctrine were in those songs and how dear they were to my heart all of a sudden and because they helped reinforce things in people's hearts and lives uh, about what God is and who God is. And so it's important that we hold on to those things. I like some new songs too. I like that song we just sang, The Ancient of Days. But some of these old hymns helped me as well. Let's sing Acts chapter 2. Let's read Acts and let's not sing. I'm, thinking, I'm leading another song here. I suppose if David was here, he could sing it, and he's the psalmist. But Acts chapter 2, verse 37, the people of the local church. Now when they heard this, heard what? Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Can I encourage you to underline that phrase, they were pricked in their heart. 
The Bible says that when the apostle Paul, then known as Saul, was on the road to Damascus, the Bible says that the Lord appeared to him in a vision. A great light shone and blinded Paul for several days. And he would fall before that vision, and the Lord would say to him, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. God had been working in Paul's heart already. We don't know what that might have been. I I suspect when Stephen was being stoned in Acts chapter 7, we read that there was a young man there, and he was uh, holding the coats, it says, of the men that were stoning him, and it was Saul. They put him at his feet. The very next verse, Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says, and, and Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about Stephen. I suppose that Saul witnessed the stoning of Stephen, and he heard him look up into, as he looked up into heaven, he heard Stephen say, forgive them. He saw the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ shine through his life. He saw the Spirit of God evident there, and I believe it began to prick his heart. We, we know that the Bible says that Saul was given letters to go all the way to Damascus and he would go into homes of Christians and haul them out. The Bible says bound and taking them to prison. But the Bible says he was breathing out threatenings and slaughterings. Later, Paul himself would testify that I killed many Christians. And so though he was given permission to arrest them, it seems that he took it upon himself to kill them many, many times. And I wonder how many of them did the same as Stephen and forgave him. Knowing they were going to die, just willingly walked out the door with him. Surrendered meekfully. And all these things pricked his heart. I wonder, when was the last time your heart was pricked? As I read this passage of scripture, we understand that Peter was, when it comes to preachers, he was in a league of his own. I don't pretend to be the preacher that Peter was. Peter stood on the day of Pentecost filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God had been not just poured out into their hearts, but visually poured out. They saw the cloven tongues like as unto fire resting on each person. Uh, That's an easy room to preach to, amen, when the Spirit of God is on each one. But it didn't come easy. The Bible says they had gathered for at least a week, and they were praying every night in that upper room. As many as 120 were gathered in that place, and the Bible says this, they were all of one accord. Well, that ought to preach to us. They were all of one accord. And they prayed in unity. And they desired for God to do something. As a matter of fact, they had to be in unity because they were all alone in this world at that point. Jesus Christ had already been taken up into heaven, Acts chapter 1, verse 11. And their hearts were just wondering, what is next? Are we going to be killed for our faith? Are we going to be persecuted? And so they bound together in one accord, and they prayed every single day. Somebody said this couldn't possibly be a Baptist church. They all got along. I don't know if that's true or not. But you understand, when a church is free like we are, we often become disjointed very easily. These churches in the world that are persecuted, they often pull together. Sometimes I think the worst thing that has ever happened to the North American church is that we've been left alone. And perhaps a little bit of sandpaper would help us a little bit. A little bit of persecution, something where we have to stand and come together and pray together. 
Our prayer meetings are the least attended meetings in the church. That grieves me. And I wonder how it grieves the Lord. I want to say this. You say, well, I'm just waiting for God to prick my heart like that. I want to know that God is real. I want to know his presence in my life. I want to feel the hand of God doing something. It's been a long time since I felt the Spirit move in my heart and my life and provoke me to do something more for God. I want to know his presence. Let me ask you, have you spent the time in prayer? Have you sought his face? Have you wept? Have you pleaded with God? Jacob knew and understood that if he wanted that kind of blessing, he had to hold on to God and wrestle for it. He would walk with a limp for the rest of his life after an encounter with God, but that limp reminded him that God's presence was with him. And his name, Israel, that God changed it to that very night, means he prevailed with God. Do we have that movement in our hearts? Are we prevailing with God? When we get on our face for prayer, do we know that God is going to answer it? I have not shared with everybody, and I don't intend to do that right now. There's a burden in our family right now. And I'm begging God. I'm pleading with God to do something. I'm willing to accept anything he wants. But it's hard. And I'm learning, just like you're learning, that in times like those is when you really want God to move. But can I say that that's selfish? It's not for me personally. It's for one of my children. A health issue. And I feel selfish asking. Because I wonder, why don't I pray for souls like that? Why am I not burdened for others like that? We get handed prayer requests all the time. and I, I think of this church in the upper room. They were all of one accord. The word accord there meant more than just an agreement. It means they had a mutual love for one another. Your burdens are my burdens. I'll take them to the altar just like it was my own child. You got an unsaved husband? I'll pray like he's my husband. I'll pray like she's my wife. I'm going to tell you, folks, if we want the Spirit of God to move, we need to pray like that. If we're going to be pricked in our hearts and know his very presence, we need to pour our hearts and lives out to God. We're missing something. We're missing something. I'm not even read my scripture yet. 
Our altars are cold. I'm not saying that you don't pray. I'm just saying our church as a family, our altars are cold. Somebody went to tour while in London one time, the Metropolitan Tabernacle. That had a, the name of the building, but the church was a Baptist church that Charles Spurgeon pastored. And he was glad to show them around the building and show them the auditorium and different things. And he said, would you like to see the furnace room? They were puzzled, but they wanted to be courteous. And they said, sure. And they took him down to the basement and opened up a door, and there was 400 people praying. He said, this is what keeps the church hot. This is what fuels it. Sometimes we confuse that little prick in our heart with the moving of God when rather it's a personal burden. We need God when a trial comes. We need God when there's a tragedy. God wants you to need Him all the time. And listen, if you don't think you need God, God will teach you that you do. He'll put things into your life that allow you to see that you need Him desperately. Folks, our altars are cold. Our prayer meetings are dead. We need the presence of God here. I, I honestly... Acts chapter 2, verse 48. The very last verse of our passage is it 48 or 47. 47. And the Lord added to the church daily, what's it say? Such as should be saved. We wonder why nobody's getting saved. So uh, we, we see tremendous growth in the church. We've seen the, the place was packed this morning. I'm not, I'm not discounting that at all, but a lot, a lot of folks that are here were already saved when they came, and I'm thankful for you. Don't, don't get me wrong, I'm thankful you're here. But I'll tell you this, I'd love to see folks saved. I'd like to see the next 50 people added to our church all coming through the waters of baptism. It's not going to happen with cold altars. It's not going to happen with dead prayer meetings. It's not going to happen with rote religion where we just repeat the same prayers over and over and over again. Jesus himself rebuked that and he talked about vain repetitions. Oh, that God would stir us and prick our hearts. The Bible says the people were pricked in their hearts. You say, well, what did Peter do? He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And don't get me wrong, I, I do a lot of self-examining. I preach a message and, and the altars are empty and people are just kind of staring at you and you just feel like, Lord, what did I do? Did I not pray enough? Did I not re study enough? Did I not prepare enough? I, I, in my office begging God. But there's something missing. There's something missing. The first century church was a church on fire for God. Would to God that he would return that fire to Bethel Baptist Church. Not because of bouncy castles. And I'm not against the kids having fun. Don't get me wrong. 
Not because of gimmicks and programs, but because of a people that are on their face before God, begging God to do something in this place, weeping before a holy God, and and crying for his blessings and his hand upon us. That God would stir us, and God would move us to greater heights. Let me ask you this. Measure it in your heart and mind. When was the last time God pricked your heart? When was the last time God pricked your heart? When was the last time he moved in such a way that you just felt like the only way to respond is to fall on your face? It brought tears to your eyes. It brought a shout of hallelujah to your lips. God moved on you in such a way that you didn't care who was watching. You didn't care what others would think. You simply in that very moment said, God is moving in my life and I'm not ashamed to be his child and I will raise my hands and I will shout, bless his holy name. And I'll weep at an altar. I don't care who sees it. Oh, we need a people of God that are not ashamed to be called his children. They were pricked in their hearts. When was the last time you were pricked in your heart? I suppose... We're not pricked in our hearts because of dead preaching. I'll take responsibility for that. There are times I'll, 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 I'll admit that you just, you have those weeks, right? Like everybody else. Busy, tired, and you almost feel like you kind of just phoned it in. There are other times where I know, studied and prayed and wept with God. And it feels like it was all for naught. Those times you trust God. Say, God, you promised your word would not return void. Accomplish your purpose. And so I'll, I'll take the blame for poor preaching. But I wonder sometimes if it's hard hearts. You say, are you pointing the finger? No, I'm pointing the finger at me again. I've been to meetings, I've heard preaching, and my heart's been hard. A critical spirit, concerned about everything in the room but the preaching, listening to God. I've been in those services where I've seen the altars filled and my heart was not moved. That's a hard heart. That's going with the wrong motive. That's just going out of duty rather than having a heart for God. I've been there. I've been there. I've also been in the services where I'm an absolute mess and I wonder why, why isn't anybody else getting this? It's just like me and God were in the room by ourselves. Maybe you've had those times. Well, those are good. But would to God he'd strike all of our hearts. Move upon all of us at once. Think about this. The Apostle Paul says we are to endure hardness as good, what? Soldiers of Jesus Christ. There are several references in the Bible that we are the army of God. As an army, we all go in one direction. We all share the same motivation, Jesus Christ. We all have the same motives, We want to accomplish the same thing. We have the same mission. 
We can't be disjointed. You can't have soldiers fighting battles on every front. We must be unified. And how does that happen? We are unified by the Holy Spirit of God. When was the last time he pricked your heart? When was the last time you came to church with the attitude, God, speak to me today. Yes, I, I know Brother Moore needs it, and Brother Ternowski needs it, and Brother Ashby needs it, and Daniel Smith needs it. I know we all need something from God, but God, speak to me. Move on my heart. If you're going to point any fingers today, point them all in my direction. And don't let me be so prideful and arrogant that I pointed everybody else. Have you ever done that in church? I've done it. Oh God, I wish so-and-so were here. They could sure use this. Shame on me. Because I need it. Has God pricked your heart? Has God pricked your heart? Do you remember that day you got saved? Do you remember it? I, I, you know, I can't always remember the date, but I remember that time. We just sang about it. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Do you still feel like that today? <laughs> listen, listen. I was saved 44 years ago. Well, that makes you sound old, doesn't it? 44 years ago. Here's the truth. I am closer to my salvation than I ever was. Not because I'm any more spiritual. Because I'm almost to the point where I'll realize that my faith will become sight. As a five-year-old little boy, I didn't think about dying. I didn't, I didn't consider those things. And I'm, I'm 49, and for some of you, that's pretty young. I, I don't. But the thought has crossed my mind more. This past, I, I picked up my dad's Bible. I have my dad's Bible in my office. And he wrote the date in there when he had his first heart attack, massive heart attack. This past Tuesday, I was the exact same age as he was. So it gets you thinking. I've started taking better care of my... I've, <laughs> I'm eating like a squirrel the last six weeks. Yogurt, lettuce, all these things. Uh, I wanted to get my sugar in better control. That was my goal. As a result, I've lost 18 pounds, and I, that wasn't my goal. I just just has. I say, why are you telling us that? Because I'm realizing more and more life is precious. And I want to see my Savior face to face. But I also know this, I will stand before God and give an account of those things done in my body. The Bible says so. And I'd like to have another 20 or 30 years to be able to bring glory to God on this earth. I want to stand before him with something in my hands. You say, well, what, what are you trying to get? I'm saying life is a vapor. 
You don't have much time to give glory to God. You say, well, I, I might have 90 years. Mrs. Snively just turned 90 last Sunday. You ask her. It just went like that. Gone in a moment. A million years from now, you'll look at, back at this life like a little blip in your calendar, nothing more. I want to have every moment I can to bring glory to God, to impact. That will never happen if I'm in the flesh and not the spirit. Can I plead with you about something today? We need the spirit of God. There is something missing. I know I'm supposed to talk about the people of the church, but I'm I'm addressing the people of the church. There is something missing in our walk with God. I'm not saying I'm a spiritual giant or anything like that. I'm just saying, I, I, I'm trying to put my finger on there is something missing in our walk with God, and I believe with all my heart it starts with the prayer. This church, in Acts chapter 2, were of one accord in an upper room praying for a week. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place, all in one accord, and suddenly... A sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind filled that place. And the Spirit of God poured out upon them. He said, will that happen again? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His Spirit will indwell each one of us and fill each one of us. And the command is still in the Bible, be not drunk with wine, wherein is success, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Walk in the Spirit that you fulfill not the lust of the flesh. We have been commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God, but it starts with prayer. Pleading with God, begging God, like Jacob of old, grabbing on and not letting go until you get an answer from God. Are you willing to do it? That's all I'm going to say today. My heart is burdened for our church. Don't ever look in the bulletin and see numbers as a sign of God's blessing. We could go out this week and put a rock band up here, put drums over here and some electric guitars. And in just a couple weeks, we could probably get five, 600 people in here wanting to hear a rock concert. We can draw a crowd. We're not trying to draw a crowd. We're trying to build lives for the glory of God. So don't look at a number and don't look around the room and say, boy, we were full this morning. I mean, that's a blessing. I'll tell you this, I'd rather fill, uh, preach to, to a full house than empty pews any day. Don't get me wrong, I love it. I love having people here. Don't, I, let me tell you, you sang so well today. I love, I love being up here because I get to hear the choir. I get to hear everybody. That, that's, you ask the folks up here, that's a wonderful blessing to hear all, everybody. And singing, and some of you were singing in harmony, and all, oh, it's wonderful. I love it. I love it. But let's not mistake the hand of God just by using numbers. I want to see the hand of God in the baptistry. I want to see the hand of God 
saving souls. I want to see the hand of God warming our prayer meetings and our altars. You say, well, God hasn't pricked my heart in a while. You're welcome to blame me if you want. But can I ask you to do this? Can you examine your own heart first? They were pricked in their hearts. Paul was pricked in his heart. A genuine moving of the Holy Spirit because of a prayer meeting that took place. And I believe with all my heart, if the Holy Spirit said, we're going to come in another 30 days, they'd have kept praying until he came. It wasn't, it wasn't a magic number, the, the amount of time that they prayed. They just prayed until the Spirit came. Are we willing to do the same? God, speak to our hearts. Move. Install back in our hearts and lives what's missing. I believe with all my heart that if we start in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, we can get to verse 47, and the Lord added daily such as should be saved. That ought to be our mission. That ought to be our goal. I believe the Lord's coming soon. Man, the world's falling apart. Jesus is coming. I believe it. And there's people that need to be saved. Brother Gerald spoke in a Sunday school class this morning, and about the potter, the potter's house, Jeremiah chapter 18. And it just spoke to my heart. And he just he took how the potter can change a life. And he just shared some lives that he saw changed by the potter over the years. And I thought, wow, we need to see that more. We need to see God take and restore a broken mind and restore a broken body and take a drunkard and make him whole. Take a drug addict and clean him up. He said, why isn't that happening, Pastor? It's got to start with us in the prayer room. At an altar. On a Wednesday night prayer meeting. In our prayer closets. When you gather with your Sunday school class, come early and pray. Oh, we need God. But the only way to talk to him is through prayer. Let's bow this morning. Father, help us. I sense in my heart, we're missing something. We play church sometimes. We have to stop playing church and start being the church. Well, God, make us a people that are constantly before your throne, constantly seeking your face. God, speak to us, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray.